When life gets harder, you get smarter. You don't mission, you level up like a boss. Connect Vox Fiber to your home, starting from 554 Rand per month. Level up your experience with Airtai's Wi-Fi boosters, Vobi Voice app calling, Office 365 and over 160 other products to enhance your lifestyle. Live smart, level up with Vox. Visit vox.co.za to view our range. T's and C's apply. I'm still Duncan McLeod. And I'm still Rechard van der Berg. This is Talk Central episode 262 for the week starting 9 June 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. Join our YouTube stream live at Sundays at 1 p.m. and hit that subscribe button. On Talk Central this week, all the latest on the Huawei situation. Also on the show this week, the Great Bank Branch Massacre. And we, of course, recap Apple's big developer keynote, and there's a lot to talk about there. Mm, some good stuff and some really weird stuff, right? Some very expensive <laughs> stuff. Some very expensive, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's Sunday afternoon, we're live streaming on YouTube, and it's time to talk everything tech. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. We are not quite starting at 1 p.m. today um, <laughs> because we spent the last hour uh, doing quite, some quite extensive fiddling. Um, we are uh, coming to you for the first time in Telestream's Wirecast live streaming software. And I must say, it has not been the easiest <laughs> process. If, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it clearly. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've had some serious audio issues and eventually... We resolved them, um, not through software, but by pressing a button, which we're still not quite sure what it does, on my mixing desk here. I think you just switched it off, Duncan. That's basically it. Yeah, I don't know. That's just, setting, whatever that feature is. Yeah. What, the, um, one of my uh, favorite uh, artists is uh, Bruce Dickinson. Uh, he's the lead singer of the rock band Iron Maiden, and he's just written a book called What Does This Button Do? He's a pilot, and he... Uh, he just randomly presses buttons to see what they do. <laughs> I, hope not, I hope it's not while he's flying his plane. Imagine. <laughs> indeed. Um, but that's, that's eventually how we managed to fix this, by randomly pressing buttons on the mixing desk, and uh, the, uh, the echo issue went away. Now, I don't know if that is actually what we were supposed to do, but um, it's resolved it for the moment, whether it's a kludge or a permanent solution, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're on YouTube, and we are broadcasting in Wirecast. Um, you'll notice we're both uh, sitting on top of uh, monitors in our live stream, uh, playing around a bit with uh, some graphics in Photoshop. I think it looks pretty cool. But uh, I'm I want to be in a spaceship, Duncan. I want a spaceship, Starship Enterprise backing, please. Well, I, I've, got the, I've got the planet Earth behind me on my green screen. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, the idea is to mix this all up. Um, Rechot, you'll eventually have a green screen too, and we can. Uh, For now, it's a real. I don't need CGI, Duncan. This is real world stuff that I've got. Now. Real, the real world behind you. No computer can generate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's good fun. Although hellishly complicated to get the stuff to work properly, but um, but millions of others have done it, so we will get there, and we have got there. This is, however, version. I'd call this version zero point one alpha release. Mm. Uh, of this uh, newfangled podcast, um, but uh, we've got we're going to be doing amazing stuff with this, uh, especially with this Elgato Stream Deck, which I mentioned in our in our last podcast. Um, press buttons here, and uh, videos will pop up, and uh, Rechot can go larger than life on the screen, and then I can pop in, and 
Now we're talking. And we can do lower third captions and all sorts of stuff. Um, so this is very much um, our first attempt at this. And I'm, I'm reasonably impressed with it. Um, uh, with all the audio issues that we've been having, I hope the audio stream is going out okay onto onto YouTube. Um, we're not broadcasting the fact that we are doing this live today. Um, not on social media anyway, because um, the chances of things going wrong are significant uh, during the course of the next 45 to 60 minutes that we do this podcast. But let's hope that it's all, all good. Uh, we are recording the audio version of this as well, although that is showing some interesting um, potential problems in, that, in, this, in the audio recording software. So worst case scenario, uh, we might have to strip the audio for the audio version of this podcast out of YouTube. So if that's happened, uh, you'll know why our uh, audio quality perhaps isn't quite what it normally is in our, in our audio version of the podcast. But uh, it's pretty cool, Rachat. Um, we uh, we're going to get there. We're going to we're going to make this the best damn tech podcast in the world. Oh, we got here pretty quick. I mean, we're doing video double up screen. What's it? Six months after we started looking into this seriously, I think it's been going pretty yeah. well. Actually, less less time earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. About six months, right? I must say, I did give on uh, give up on OBS Studio. It was just too complicated to use. Um, uh, I probably would have got there eventually, but it probably would have taken another six months. Um, but quite like Wirecast, it's good software. Um, pretty easy to use. It's not the cheapest though. Um, but I can do all sorts of very cool things, um, uh, like pressing buttons like this. I'm going to actually attempt something live here. Um, Ooh, the demo. The demo. <laughs> the demo. Uh, risk breaking something, but uh, there we go. Well, we're now plastered on a brick wall. Um, I can do all sorts of other weird and cool things, like have a TV. Oh, studio just another brick on the wall, Duncan. <laughs> just another two bricks on the wall here. Yeah. Um, but uh, there you go. We've got a live. It's like we're in a live television studio now. Um, with, Can I look uh, around? Can I see anything? Because I don't see anything. You, you can't see it now. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to. Oops. I, I've got to keep remembering to hit the right buttons. Otherwise, it doesn't go live on there. There we go. There's the bank of monitors behind us. It's as if we're in the DSTV control room in Randburg. <laughs> um, and uh, let's go back to. Uh, let's go back to our broadcast for the day. Can you have? A, can you have the cricket app or something on the background? A live sporting event. Uh, I think we might get sued if we do that, but in theory, yes, <laughs> we could. <laughs> get some takedown notices from uh, YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure you can pull. I'm sure you can pull live video off YouTube and put it straight in here. Um, but yeah, you've got to be quite careful with the copyright issues around the stuff and uh, what uh, images you use and uh, all the rest of it. No, but it's good fun. Done on that very much. But it's good fun. If you listen to the only audio only version of this podcast, do head on over to YouTube because we are going to be having a lot of. Uh, fun with our YouTube channel in the coming weeks and months. Um, this is very much, as I said, version 0.1, and we're going to be making big improvements. Uh, search Tech Central, one word in YouTube, uh, and uh, look with for the uh, TC icon with the light blue background, uh, which we'll be changing soon because Rechard hates it. <laughs> I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a different debate. Hate is a strong word. Okay. Um, I also agree it's not the best, um, so there may be some changes there. But look for the TC letters, search Tech Central, one word, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, and if you see a bell button, hit that too, because uh, then you'll get alerted whenever we go live on air. And our subscriber numbers, by the way, Rechard, have been growing very nicely in the last couple of weeks. Uh, nice. Very, very happy with the with the uh, growth. So thanks for tuning into the show and to the Tech Central podcasts, more generally. Um, we'll probably be continuing uh, doing those in Google Hangouts on air just for the moment um, while we bed down this uh, software. I don't think I want to have to uh, get the CEO of a major 
um, company uh, on a on a call and have to spend an hour with him trying to troubleshoot audio issues. Um, yeah. But once once everything's bedded down, uh, we'll have a nice template and we'll be doing it all in uh, in Wirecast and using the Wirecast Rendezvous software, which is what we're using to chat to each other today. Um, you can also use Skype to do this um, uh, using a technology called NDI. Um, but we haven't quite got that one right yet. Um, well, that's an OBS-related issue, right? The OBS-related issue. That is, uh, yeah. Well, we had the same problem in in uh, in, in Wirecast. Um, so it's an NDI issue, and I, I need to do some more research on it. But Rendezvous seems to work pretty well. I don't think we need to uh, use Skype, and um, we don't get the little Skype um, watermark embedded on the screen, which they insist on. Um, there's no watermarks at all, in fact, in these two videos that we're streaming today. But let me go back to my show notes because uh, we need to talk about the week's tech news, don't we? And we need to do uh, our quiz. quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The elusive quiz, the poor thing. You forget it every week. Do you want to kick it off? Certainly. The first question. Apple this week debuted a new cheese grater Mac Pro. What is the starting price? One of the new 6K monitors designed to go with the new Mac Pro cost. And it's a pretty hefty price. It is, yeah, yeah. And uh, Rechad, you broke up a little bit the other day. The second part of that question is what is the starting price? And uh, for a bonus point, how much does one of the new 6K monitors designed to go with the new Mac Pro cost? And the second question, how many bank branches is Standard Bank closing down, it said this week? Third question, on what basis is Google seeking an exemption from the U.S. government for dealing with Android? And Google uh, is making its biggest acquisition since 2014. Which company is it buying? For $2.6 billion. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big mm. one. And final question. Samsung has revealed it will use which company's graphics chips in its future smartphones. Another interesting development, I think. A very interesting development. And it just shows you how gaming is, um, is starting to really take off on mobile. Can you imagine how with the advances in silicon chip development, um, just how powerful smartphones are going to be 10 years from now? Well, I mean, if you really look at it, how powerful they are now, what we mm. can do with, uh, with them, it's, it still blows my mind. Yeah. Um, but, but imagine your smartphone, uh, you plug that into, uh, you know, Samsung smartphone into, into that, what do they call it? Dex, Samsung Dex, oh, to mm. turn it into a PC, and then playing, I don't know, crisis-style graphics or, or better on your mobile phone on a monitor. It's going to come. And look, Apple has certainly seen this, and that's why they've thrown those games on their, on their uh, Apple TV and their, within the mm. operating system now. I mean, that yeah, is they're... going to be a huge thing, um, and yeah. they have to compete. And Google's doing it too with uh, Stadia. Stadia, yeah. Mm. yeah. Very mm. interesting development. Um, also, you know, while we're debating that, because you know, a lot of people are still going to be loving their PCs. Um, yeah. This is this is going to certainly appeal to a newer generation, and this yeah. is very forward-thinking stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But let's. Uh, I thought we'd start with uh, chatting about Huawei, but actually, let's start with Apple because it really was the big news of the week. Um, uh, you watched the keynote, Rehard? Oh, Rehard, I've lost your audio. I'm not sure if it's on your side, Rehard, but uh, let me start by chatting a little bit about the. Uh, let me start talk about, talking about the uh, the developer conference uh, while you press some buttons there. Um, so yeah, I think the the, the big announcement was sort of left to the end, and that was the uh, launch of the um, the launch of the uh, the new Mac Pro, uh, six thousand dollar machine, and Rehard's dropped out of the call. Rechart, you're back. <laughs> the challenge of doing a live podcast. Um, that's why we didn't uh, put this one out on social media this morning. But I'm glad you're back. Let's. 
Yeah, I was I was trying to ad lib there um, and not doing very well at it, but we'll cut this out of the audio version of the podcast. But uh, we were just starting to talk about the Apple keynote, and I was saying that the main event was the um, for me was the launch of the new Mac Pro. Back to the design of the cheese grater, which which was so popular. I remember um, using a Mac uh, in a publishing company back in the nineties, and there, and there was just those cheese graters everywhere, and they were lovely, lovely machines. And you'd press that button on the top, and it'd go. Boom, switch on um, and uh, uh, compared to today's machines I mean obviously they're not powerful at all but um, at the time they were wonderful and it's great to see Apple sorry Rehot and, and I was just saying it's great to see Apple going back to that design um, I think it was uh, they've, they've admitted and they've, they've taken on board all the criticism about that garbage can um, the trash can Mac Pro which was not upgradable uh, was just Apple showing off that it could do fancy pretty looking designs but it wasn't what the world wanted. It wasn't what um, people wanted. They wanted Mac Pros that are upgradable and get, you can get into them and put new cards in them and do all sorts of stuff like that. So well done to them for going back to that design. I do like this machine. I think it's fantastic. It's it's addressing a very niche market. Again, you know, there's a big gap. This thing is 60, 70 odd thousand rand, right? Um, mm. What happens to the guys that want to spend 20, 30 and want a machine of, you know, I mean, yes, they'll have to go for a notebook, but they're not getting... PC experience that they were kind of asking for still. Yes. Um, so, you know, I guess we can always have something to criticize about when, whenever something gets launched. Mm. Um, but I would like to see that, you know, it's, it's again, it's no use in just making, I mean, Apple is known for making things hellishly expensive. Um, but this is, this isn't going to filter down into your mainstream user in any time soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerhouse machine. And and if animators on board it, great. But again, most of the studios who use this type of tech, you know, again, will probably buy a bunch of Windows machines for more of their animators or their designers. Um, mm. you know, this is going to be a showpiece like any high end Mac is. You know, we we rendering or we using um the new MacBook uh, the new Mac Pros. Um it's a yeah. showpiece. Now Apple claimed that the pricing isn't um out of kilter, claiming that similarly similarly specced uh, Windows workstation PCs can cost up from from eight thousand dollars and upwards, and they're coming in at at six thousand um, dollars. I have my doubts about that, and I'd like to see it interrogated. Oh. But certainly, they're putting beautiful hardware inside that thing. Um, Intel Xeon up to a twenty eight core. Um, beautiful. If you, if you look at it though, the the base spec, the six thousand dollar base spec, is an Intel Xeon eight core processor. Uh, I forget how much uh, storage is in that base version, um, but it's it's very much the base spec. Can you imagine how much a thing is? Giga, five twelve gigabyte, I think, isn't it? A five twelve gigabyte SSD. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's not much for the price you're paying. Um, but you can spec it up. It's 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 almost endlessly configurable. So you can add, you can go to that twenty eight core Intel Xeon processor. You can add up to one point five terabytes of RAM. Of RAM, <laughs> and uh, presumably uh, almost infinite amount of storage. How much, you know, depending on how much you want to spend. But if the base spec is six thousand dollars, how much are you going to pay for that for that beast once it's specced out with like a, I don't know, five hundred and twelve gigabytes of RAM and uh, and a four terabyte SSD or multiple SSDs? Uh, it's not going to be cheap. What's the workstation you get for the designer or the or the graphic artist who's got it all done? And this is clearly it, right? Mm. So you reward your best employees with a very expensive machine. Yeah. Um, you know, again, in the real world, and I love this machine, and I'm not taking taking anything away from it's Apple beautiful. in this regard. It's it's a fantastic piece of equipment in line with what Apple is known for doing. Um, 
but again, most most people that would use a machine of that caliber, okay, firstly, would they be using an Apple operating system for most of the the software that? Because a lot of the software that does some of the science stuff. I don't know. I would argue it probably works better on Windows-based machines. Apple is very good at optimizing their own hardware, um, but if you're looking at the software that runs on these devices, you know potentially. But again, you know, smaller studios or, or the studios that really want power, yeah. uh, maybe this isn't for them. But you're gonna you're gonna reach a lot more if you if you give something to an audience that's. Um, makes it a little bit more affordable in that sense. And also, let's be real, a lot of people that use a, uh, that want to use this machine spec like this, they'd probably get away with using slightly cheaper hardware to mm. achieve a very similar result, like using gaming-grade graphics cards and just really fast uh, Intel CPUs. Yeah. And we're living in a gray that there's always a gray area when you can build your own machine on a, on a Windows-based platform. Yeah. The benefit here, obviously, is a closed ecosystem, so they can control the power that gets used. I mean, Adobe is a, is a good example of how... Um, on Windows machines, you don't get. It, it's not really optimized to use all the cores on your processor. Mm. So often, when you're rendering video, you're using one core. Mm. Adobe did say they're going to update that, uh, but within this environment, Apple Apple can make mm. sure that this is going to be the fastest machine for that purpose. And arguing that now it's becoming a, a valuable piece of equipment if if time is everything in your yeah. production house. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I mean, if you if you if your business is is making movies or television or content and that sort of thing, then you know, maybe there's a justification that you can you can invest money in this. In fact, I was interested to see during the during the developer keynote presentation that uh, I think it was Craig Federighi who said um, you can actually ra- rack mount these things. <laughs> wow! So imagine Impressive. rack mounting like ten ten of these things in a server room and just and, and guys are going to do that for doing very heavy video editing, 4K video editing, um, special effects, programming, all that sort of stuff. You know. I mean, is this really a, a server farm? You, do you really want to put this beautiful piece of equipment in a, in a server in a rack somewhere? <laughs> yeah. It kind of feels like it needs to be on show, right? Oh yes, yeah. uh, I, I still have I still have my hesitation about those industrial-looking handles. I mean, it's beautiful and very functional, but they're almost. I was almost expecting something a little smoother with that with that beautiful front. Mm. You know, maybe a smoother handle. Although I need to see one in person still. I like the but wheels. I think my. The optional. Oh, yeah, ones. the wheels are beautiful. Oh, how much are they? Like probably two thousand. They haven't said. They sure. haven't said. They haven't said. Oh, we'll get to. We'll get to the stand gate now. We will. But I think. I think <laughs> the first. Probably the my the, my overall concern with a machine like this, and again coming back to the Windows uh, based machines that you can buy parts for, is the the repair warranty upgrade, uh, you know, all those kind of costs. It's not the kind of thing you can rip out the parts and just fix yourself as you can do with virtually every other Windows machine. Yeah. Um, you get, you're probably going to want to, you know, or you're going to have to send it to Apple to get stuff done if it's within warranty, right? They're not mm. going to let you fiddle in there and, and do stuff. Mm. Um, you probably don't, wouldn't want to at that price either, but w- that's a cash 22, right? If mm. they make it cheaper and let people fiddle with their own hardware. But we know the ecosystem, so we can't really fault uh, Apple for that. Yeah. But people that, that, you know, that are in a server environment, you know, it's it's they would want to fix things themselves just to get things up and running uh, mm. relying on apple's server support uh, or support for something like this could also just be a hindrance mm. probably not if you if you're an a grade client and you have 10 of these machines so will look after you right? yeah it's beautiful but it's so expensive but let's talk about standgate um as you described <laughs> it <laughs> so they also launched this beautiful how big was it 32 oh. inches yeah 32 inch beautiful LCD. 6k screen um with the same sort of cheese grater design on the back which uh which is used for cooling 
dust um, magnet. You say dust magnet. <laughs> yes. Uh, but stunning looking machine. Oh, it was a stunning looking monitor and it looks just absolutely beautiful next to, I mean, it's Apple industrial design par excellence. Mm. Um, but $5,000 for the monitor. And if you want to stand with your monitor, uh, thank you very much. It'll be another thousand dollars or 15,000 Rand before taxes. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't understand why they would. I mean, again, it's it's like Apple is trying to rip people. Now we mm. can we, let's see how much money we can take from our top end clients, and this yes. is exactly it. It's it's yeah. I don't know how you would justify a thousand dollars stand. I mean, they should have just sold it as one price, as one you know one set of price. Why would you have a very expensive stand separately? Mm. You know, would everybody mount the on a Visa stand? Probably. You know, those are probably more, more versatile too. The, the the stands that you can kind mm. of move around your desk. I'm sure there's. Um, I'm sure third-party stand manufacturers are salivating over this because oh, yes. they're, they're looking at this and saying, "Hey, but we can do this at a, at a very good profit margin for five hundred dollars or less." I mean, yeah, we, we know that metal, brushed metal look of Apple has been replicated very easily. Yes. Um, I don't know. They like to make news, Apple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's they they kind of moving further away from. Uh, so we, we definitely will like a lot of the things we're seeing, but they're f- moving further into their own closed wall garden. I mean, every time yeah. you buy into something, you are locked into it. So if you buy that screen, you're going to want to buy that stand. Yes. Because um, it's just kind of $1,000 extra. You know? Yeah, I just chuck it well, in the basket, yeah. <laughs> write it off as a tax expense or something. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you, so if you're buying the monitor and the computer and the stand – the base computer, I must emphasize, with nothing added to it. You're paying twelve thousand dollars. That's a hundred and eighty thousand rand. If my maths, I think my maths is wrong. It's about a hundred and my maths is terrible. This is why I'm a journalist, not a engineer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't sell a Bitcoin, Duncan. It's uh, it's about a hundred and fifty k. If I sort of top of them, uh, it's about a hundred and fifty k before tax. So mm. maybe a hundred and eighty k after import duties and everything else. Just for a computer. That's the price of a small car. And I would certainly argue that you can get a Windows equivalent um, for a lot cheaper than that. I'd imagine so. a lot of the Apple stuff you are paying, I mean, the $1,000 stand, and you're already cutting out 10 grand there. 15 grand. 15 grand. (laughs) (laughs) Just get a really nice Dell monitor, Alienware monitor, something like that, you know. Mm. Um, Two or three of those if you want, plus a fancy four-up stand. Yeah. Look, we know Apple is very much um, driven by desirability, and, and, and people are very much still fans of the ecosystem. I mean, they, um, you know, they aren't where they are for, for no reason. Yeah. But, you know, if we say this every, every time they announce something, they are kind of ripping people. We know they're making a lot of money, hmm. um, money in the bank money, so they're not really doing anybody favors. They're really not doing anybody any favors. They're just doing some cool stuff and saying, okay, hmm. this is the price, very expensive. If you can't get it, wait for a few years until we bring out a new version, these are going to go in the second market. Yeah. They'll probably float around for a few more years and they'll build a new generation of kind of Apple creator machines mm. that uh, will be adorning yeah. every creative corner office. But it's definitely their strategy and it's Tim Cook's strategy to push the boundary on pricing. And I wonder if that is going to backfire on them when the, uh, when the economy t- down, turns downward. Um, and I'm not, of course, referring to the South African economy, which is in a mess. I'm talking about the American economy and, and um, some of the other economies around the world. There's been enormous wealth creation in the U.S. in the last 10 years since the, the so-called Great Recession. Um, the stock market is soaring. Companies are doing very well. Profitability is at record levels. So, so companies have the cash to spend. What happens when the market 
when there's an inevitable downturn and the U.S. goes into a recession, which is not out of the question in the near term, given what's going on with Trump and China. Mm-hmm. Um, That's certainly going to make things more expensive, too. So even your... You know, even the stuff that uh, the, the, the American manufacturers used to build, a lot of those parts coming from China, you know, mm. if, if, if this tariff war is going to happen, tit for tat mentality is going to come into play and things are going to get more expensive. Yeah. So Apple is going to push up their price. And that's outside of, you know, currency fluctuations and um, just, you know, general, you know, people don't have money to spend. In South Africa, certainly, I don't see many mm. people buying into this. Uh, no. You'll see a few first. People are going to brag about it on Instagram. Look at my Mac. Yeah. Yeah. My Mac Pro, yeah, but even with the with the dustbin, <laughs> with the with the little black round one, you, mm. you didn't see that many. No, regretful purchases all around. Yeah, I think you'll see it. I mean, certainly in big big video production houses, companies that supply video content into into multi choice, for example, will probably invest in one or two of these things. But the market's not going to be big, and very few people are going to be buying this as their home computer. But that's not but what again, it's even those even those guys. What are they upgrading from? A lot of them they would be using. MacBooks, right? Or, or iMacs. You know, if, or iMacs. But again, you know that you're jumping 10 levels here with the power and performance of this yeah. machine. Yeah. So those people have got Windows-based servers already running in the background. Their render farms are probably rented out if they are kind of in that intermediary level of requiring this power with before buying it. Mm. Um, it. It doesn't make practical sense. I mean, unless we are, we are wrong and the PC equivalent is the same price, which I kind of doubt. Um, I doubt it. But those, Intel, very Xeon, those Intel Xeon processors are very, very expensive. I, I, I can't remember what it was, but I was looking at that 28-core Intel Xeon processor, mm. and it was significant amount of money. But remember, you can go buy. You can go to your local distributor. You have a guy that supplies your hardware. He can buy a dealer price on Intel hardware. Um, yeah. You can't do it with Apple. So if, if you need to buy mm. anything new for your machine, you're going to have to go to Apple. I don't know. Would you be able to buy these CPUs? off? Okay, again, would you be able to upgrade your own machine if you want to? You know, probably not, unless you avoid your warranty, which is fine. I if, don't know. Uh, I presume you, don't mind doing yeah. it. you can certainly do those with the old, that with the old cheese graters. What's interesting is um, uh, is uh, Nvidia support. Um, Apple's very close to AMD, so this thing's got a high-end AMD graphics card in it. Um, little clarity at this stage whether Nvidia is going to be um, providing its graphics cards uh, or be supporting the Mac Pro. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to want to put Nvidia cards in these machines. Mm. Oh, definitely. All right. Look, AMD isn't there yet in terms of their graphic performance. They've got some fantastic cards. Yeah. But NVIDIA is still the number one with regards to gaming and uh, you know gaming performance. Um, this does touch on the other the other part. I mean, not gaming so much as VR rendering or, or just having a powerhouse machine to output um, kind of graphics. Mm. Uh, NVIDIA is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Uh, and those guys would want to mess with their own hardware again. Yeah. Hmm. So that's the Mac oh. Pro, um, but there was plenty else announced. It was actually a very busy keynote. Um, uh, the, the thing that stood out for me uh, was um, the new iPad OS, which is basically iOS, but they've kind of they've split it now. They've forked it, and uh, it looks like I, I, iPad is going to the iPad OS is going to go in its own direction. Um, about time again. <laughs> I agree, uh, uh, and I'm quite excited about this release. I'm um, I'm particularly excited about the ability to, that it now supports external drives. You can now plug your DSLR in and import your photos directly into Lightroom, which is stuff that should have been there with the launch of the iPad Pro last, the new iPad Pros last year, um, if not further back. Um, mm. But um, it looks good, and I like the ability to. It's going to have a tighter grid of icons. I always felt that uh, 
when you were looking at the iPad, particularly on a bigger, bigger screened iPad, there was all this wasted space between the icons. And now you're going to have Android style widgets by swiping to the left and you can, so you don't have to swipe to a different page. And lots, Android did it. Android did it. Yeah. And lots of new hand gestures, which I think it's going to be worth time learning. Like um, copy and paste is a three-fingered uh, gesture now to copy and paste. Uh, I think it's what is it? It's pinch out to copy and then pinch into three fingers to drop oh, to yes. paste. Um, and lots of little little details like that, making it easier to multitask and switch between applications. Um, uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a bit of a learning curve actually, looking at uh, all the different uh, finger options you're going to have to learn. Uh, with uh, iPad OS, um, but it's going to make it. It's, it's certainly not yet a desktop competitor, but it's going to take it a long way in in being something that you can use on the road. If your if your laptop's flat or you don't want to take your laptop yeah. with you, you can you can really start to use this as a as a basic PC. Yeah, it is very long overdue, and I think developers will obviously now start developing their apps, you know, to yeah. make use of all these features. Um, it'll it's it'll be great to see it. But again, you know, old iPad users, you're gonna have to upgrade. You know, mm. that world garden is closing in. If you, if, so mm. now all of a sudden, in, if you look at the last ten years, if you had an Apple device within five years of launch, it was still current current for the most part. Mm. Uh, you could get a lot of the features. There was nothing majorly outdated if you didn't if you didn't get the latest update. Yeah, um, but your apps would still work. Now we've got this 20-year cycle almost since those devices, or sorry, 15 to 20-year cycle, mm. since a lot of those devices have hit the market. Um, and yeah, we're now seeing, okay, there's the desirability factor coming in where, okay, I kind of need to upgrade. Do I want to go out or do I want to keep staying in the Apple World Garden? Mm. And for most people that I've spoken to, it's a difficult choice to get, to leave um, mm. if, if your life is on there. Yeah. So dark mode is coming to iOS. Um, dark mode comes, seems to be coming to everything these days. Right? <laughs> I thought iOS had it already. No, it? apparently not. No. But, uh, Windows no. had it. Android had it. <laughs> yeah. I use dark mode in Windows. It's very nice. Mm. Um, I've seen some reports that are interesting on a side note. Uh, there's some, some, some reports out there that say that reading light on dark may not be the best thing for your eyes after all because the world mm. around us is light on black. Uh, yeah, everything is bright and the, the, dark, the dark bits, which is in the minority of things we see, um, yeah. is there just for the contrast. Mm. It's interesting. Something, something worth thinking about, right? Yeah, but I certainly feel more relaxed though when I've got dark mode on my Windows desktop. Well, especially at night because mm. uh, you know if you are sitting and you have, and also our screens are much brighter. And if we look at it all day, you know it's 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 a much brighter thing than what we should be looking at directly all day. So yeah. the benefits might be there. Um, it might relieve it obviously a lot more, mm. but it is changing the way we're seeing things. I think. Yeah. But I don't. I, I love I love dark mode. Yeah. There's also, um, I think it's built into the operating system now, and I think it's built into Android too. Um, there used to be an app, this is an app called Flux, uh, mm. which uh, which reduces the, um, I don't know what they call it, the, it's a certain type of light that you'll monitor. The blue light, the blue light. Yeah. It's blue light, yeah, and it makes it much yellower. Um, so oh, in, after the sun sets, and you can, or you can actually control it through the software, but um, you, it can also check based on your location what time the sun sets, and then it can mm. adjust the blue light upward on your monitor or your phone. Um, to to help rest your eyes, and I used to use that before I went to dark mode, and it was it it really did help actually. I used it with dark mode because a lot of apps, you know, or there is still a lot of white around the screen. Mm. Uh, 
Um, I mean, we know it's a very bad habit to be checking your phone before bed and in the morning, regardless. You know, we should kind of be getting away from that. Um, but not going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. I mean, it's a yeah, modern world. Yeah. But I often read as my yellow or as that, that mode switches. And I've actually mm. just extended the time now on my settings to compensate for the kind of the later sunrise. Yeah. But you can actually feel the difference in the strain in your eyes. It's actually quite, it's, as soon as it switches to the blue, it feels odd. It feels wrong. I mean, obviously, it does. Eyes are I agree. Compensating. Yeah. Um, but especially in the darker, in the darker sense, you can actually see what difference it makes in your in your brain. You know, in terms of your brain is realizing this is a color that makes you more alert or mm. keeps you awake because it's, mm. it's a daylight um, wavelength. Yeah. Was there anything else at WWDC that grabbed your attention, Rechard? Well, the TV stuff in terms of the, the gaming controls was pretty interesting. I mean, mm. now they're seeing, you know, they're obviously seeing a market here. They're trying to get people to you know spend some money um, on the gaming side too and keeping it within keeping it in-house so to speak but the game controlling controller support is is interesting yeah. so in it supports, supports. Uh, Xbox and PlayStation controllers yeah so you can I mean which is great so if you have some pretty decent titles on you know on um, on the machine or on the Apple TV mm. um, you know it's going to be a very good experience uh, although hardcore gamers, um, new gamers coming to the platform, uh, I can see a bit being a bit big hit for them. Um, so they're capitalizing on that mobile mobile market, really. Yeah, and um, a feature of, of streaming games where you don't actually download the game and install it on your device. The Apple TV is potentially a very powerful um, uh, Trojan horse in the lounge, um, especially yeah. if it supports uh, um, a a Xbox and PlayStation controllers. If you've got a decent fiber connection, I don't know how fast you need to be, maybe 50 megabits a second, maybe faster. And, um, and you can play, in theory, I think, you, can, you could play the latest, most advanced, graphically intense, game, intense games if they're streamed over the internet. No, you're right. Or do you think it'll support Google Stadia? Probably not, right? No. Or it should, actually. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no but no, not. you're right. I mean, we are certainly, you know, as much as we, uh, as geeks, advocate for, you know, PCs on our desk that we like to keep and maintain and, and kind of have the power to play our games on, the future, certainly speaking of a world where all of those resources will be off-site, uh, hosted off-site. Mm. I mean, we've already, we've been speaking about this since, you know, I can remember starting as a journalist in the early 2000s when we were starting talking about offloading some of the power or doing some things that's not on your machine. And the browser is kind of perfect example for that. Yeah. You can do so much within a browser that you don't need hardware on your, on your machine. And now with this gaming uh, platform, we <laughs> We, yeah, we're living in an interesting world, which again, you know, begs the question, more expensive hardware is just conditioning us to get used to spending more for less. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Although we it's don't need the power. They need, to, they need to fund those servers in the back end somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, it's, it's certainly true that there is a massive, a massive disruption coming to the video game industry in the next few years. Yeah, it's going to be a very close one to watch, and it's it's nice to see gaming growing. But with anything that there's a, a, a that that there's a lot of excitement and intrigue about, we're going to mm. have a lot of players that fall by the wayside, and a lot of things are going to go wrong. I mean, mm. microtransactions in games is the biggest threat to games because yeah, you know, it's just a way for for game developers or the you know the the not so um, good game developers in that in that sense to exploit people for more money. It's not mm. it's not on. I mean, I'm I'm all for value added content in games. You know, I know people want to buy and get uh, you know clothes for their characters, but you need to be transparent with that. So mm. they, we're gonna we're gonna see some interesting things in games in the next few years from mm. that point of view. Um, and gaming is certainly mainstream. Everybody's gaming now. Yeah. Whether you physically playing Mario Brothers on your phone or you know collecting 
points <laughs> at checkers to do those things. Everything is a game. <laughs> Everything is gamified. <laughs> just depends on the level of graphics. Mm. Well, on, on, sorry, on that note, it was um, the, the the Minecraft stuff is pretty interesting too uh, that yeah. you've seen on the iPad. I missed that. What 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 are they doing? Well, the, the the AR Minecraft that you can play with your iPad um, on a tabletop. So you know, oh, remember yeah, I see that. Yes. Saw with Minecraft that you can, you know. yeah. Um, and then with with the, the new, um, I forget the name, but where you can actually sh- sh- point your camera at somebody and they will map your movement. So that within gaming too, mm. you know, mm. whatever you do, your personality is now digital um, in a digital world. You know, we're all taking a step closer to that VR world where we, mm. you know, physically immersed in it. Everything we know is in there. Mm. And Apple is rumored still to be working on its VR glasses, VR headset. Um, that could be ga- a game changer when it comes out. I think so. If, especially if, I mean, if, if their trend of looking at what's the best out there and, and kind of copying it, making a st- yeah, copying it, making, <laughs> making a call on one format. Mm. But having said that, you know, again, the, your traditional gamer, if we're looking at the cost of hardware, you know, the guys that you want to capture in terms of the gaming isn't the guys that would always have the most money. So if you want to introduce VR, those guys are going to go for the cheaper solutions first. I mean, yes, you are talking about Apple who's addressing a niche, but you can only stretch those two so far. The guys with little money to spend on their pastimes, you know, they'll always they'll always have lots of choice. Yeah. Um, the guys with with lots of money, you know, if, you know, they have choice too. But you know, they they there are not that many of them um, to support a massive industry like that. If mm. you have got a very exclusive product, mm. hollow lens all the way, I think. Mm. So that was WWDC 2019. I thought it was one of the best keynotes in ages, actually, that Apple's done. Yeah, it was good. I didn't really have any complaints, except yeah. for that stand, the price of that stand, the gasps in the audience. The gasps, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the stand costs the same as an iPhone, right? Yeah, that's the crazy part. Yeah. I, should, I should just give them away with, give an iPhone away with each stand. That'll be great. <laughs> um, so next Apple keynote is likely to be the iPhone in September, I think. I think that's the next one. Yeah, have you seen some of those leaks with those four camera clusters? Those I have. Big, it's interesting. Mm. I wouldn't mind that look. It doesn't look. It doesn't look nice. But I mean, if the camera is good, yeah, uh, right. The, one, really the ones I saw were kind of like look like the Huawei Mate Twenty Pro, but kind of turned forty five degrees, uh, with three camera buttons and a flash, or three cameras and a flash rather. I didn't see that. Um, it right. it really did look like uh, the Apple Mate Twenty Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Apple made twenty pros. <laughs> Apple copying other people. <laughs> both is that why? Is that why Trump is so angry at uh, Huawei? <laughs> well, Maybe Huawei maybe until meeting. Huawei used to copy Apple. Now Apple copies Huawei, right? <laughs> I think everybody's copying. Everybody's copying everybody. No ideas. No ideas yeah. original. <laughs> um, speaking of Huawei, um, segue nicely into that uh, discussion. Um, not a huge amount that's new on that, but. Um, uh, we have seen that Facebook has uh, told Huawei they may no longer pre-install uh, Facebook, WhatsApp, and all the other um, Facebook-owned apps on Huawei devices. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it actually really matters because uh, you as the end user can download it from the Play Store. Yeah, look, if you can't get access to the Play Store, that's a bigger problem. Um, yeah. Well, that's a problem for down the line, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> not, not right now. Mm. Google also, I mean, Google also had a conversation, or Google also said that they are worried about this. In that, you know, there's going to be a huge security risk for everybody. You know, if, if malware does start spreading on devices, hmm. even those that weren't patched to the latest operating system, like any Samsung devices, I mean, there, there will be a bigger threat for 
for everybody if there's no support for this. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's still living in interesting times. My well, my phone has started to acting a bit weird from time to time. I oh, has it? Been doing interesting. No. Oh, it just I've, at times it just feels a little bit clumsy. Like I don't know what it. What That's it Android. It does that after a while. Just have to reset to factory settings and start again. So Google should be doing a job better so that we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not as bad as it used to be, but um, I remember in the old days of Android, I, I'd reset to factory settings once a, once a quarter because the thing just became so slow and unusable. Yeah, I should actually. I mean, I do have a lot of stuff running on there, but you know, again, still a solidly performing device and one of the best cameras I've ever used. Yeah. I really hope this ninety-day extension um, you know, gets, gets extended gets again. Further, yeah, mm. and you know they can get over themselves and yeah. let's move on. Yeah, but I don't and see that happening. I mean, we we're in the middle of a, a new type of kind of digital yeah. corporate warfare. Who's bigger? Who's better? Yeah, and we see Google. I see Google is uh, protesting to the U.S. government, saying that um, banning Huawei from having access to Android is uh, is um, counter to national security, U.S. national security interests. Um, obviously, they're arguing their own corner because they don't want a third ecosystem emerging to compete with Android and iOS, um, which is likely to be the outcome if uh, the U.S. government pushes ahead with um, with these um, sanctions, if I can call them that. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I hope Huawei continues to have access to Android too, because I think um, they've been a real challenger in this market. They've taken the fight to to Samsung and uh, and to Apple and um, I think the market will be significantly poorer uh, if uh, if Huawei loses access to Android, even if they come up with a good alternative. Um, I think it's going to weaken them for a couple of years at the very least. Mm. I was just calling up a news story that I remember reading. Um, what was also of interest to all of this is that um, um, hasn't the US now signed something with Russia for 5G technology? So they're using a Russian-based or they're working with Russian Huawei. MTS. No, no. Uh, the US. Isn't it the US? I was, the only story I saw about this, this week was... Um, Sorry, was no, you're a, right. It is. Russia and uh, Russia and Huawei. My Russia and Huawei, yeah. And then Putin was uh, at, at the press conference and he slammed the US over its uh, attacks on, uh, on, uh, on Huawei in China. Look, at least in that regard, it, no, we know it bodes well for mm. us in terms of, you know... Our access and, and probably ongoing access to the technology. Yeah. Uh, although it doesn't wouldn't help, you know, in the broader scheme of things in the in the kind of Google technology. We don't yeah. want that third player uh, or that kind of we don't want to break off from the Android operating system as mm. users. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, we'll keep a close eye on the space. Uh, I think that ninety day window expires. Uh, when is it? Late August, mid to late August. Mm. Mm. Um, so um, we, we'll have definitely have some news from the U.S. Commerce Department before then on what they're going to be doing. Um, but I think the whole trade war between Trump and China is coming to a head um, soon as well. There's a key meeting happening this coming week or the week after. Um, so, uh, you know, the whole thing's unfolding this year, in these coming Although these next it, few weeks. Wouldn't it be great to see a new launch from Huawei coming up where they have a greater style PC for half the price? Done. <laughs> Running what though? With a free stand, with a free stand included. <laughs> Install your own Windows. Oh yes, and it runs Windows. Dual boot operating system. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's what I've wondered about this. Uh, you know, um, what's to stop? I suppose Android is more difficult. The consumer doesn't want to have to install Android. Um, although I'm sure they could make it easier to do that. But um, certainly from a Google services perspective, there's no real issue as far as I can see with this Huawei um, ban by the U.S. government because. 
Google's uh, agreements on, in terms of its apps are not between Google and Huawei. They're between Google and you, the end user. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a way that, that Huawei could make it easy for end users to install the place to install Google services once, you know, post purchase. Uh, it's not ideal, obviously, um, but uh, I'm sure they can do that. Yeah, I mean, they'll just have some, I guess, also if they just bring it into the country and then have their local service centers do what needs to be done. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of ways around that. But it could be interesting. Imagine buying a blank a blank phone. Huawei phone. Yeah. And then uh, what, do, you want, do you want to run iOS? Certainly. Just here's, uh, here's the download files. If you want yeah. Android, here's the, you know, here's the uh, uh, installation files. What's it? What PSK could possibly file? go wrong? <laughs> Well, it's interesting. In the hands of an ordinary consumer. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine, I mean, that it it could be, and you could run any skin on there you want. uh, Have Mm. some local developers, you know, in each country do their own thing. It could be interesting. We've seen PC shipping without operating systems for quite some time. So why not phones? And also, I mean, I think in a few years the whole operating system thing is going to kind of be a moot point regardless because everything will be running or more things will be running off uh, you know an internet-based service so your your phone again will only have you know power requirements for what it needs to display and throw out at you hmm. but the real the real processing power will likely come from an, an another server you know apps stream to you i mean the user yeah. interface could be streamed to you i suppose um i'm not sure how practical that is and i'm not sure it's a world i'm looking forward to if that's where it's going well software is getting smaller so you'll be able to fit more onto smaller space, mm. uh, you know. Your, so, so in terms of storage capacity, I mean, even power—it's it's not yeah. really an issue. But if you want to do something fancy with your phone and include uh, some really cool new technologies that we don't know about, yeah, you don't have to then ha- worry about that premium for space for a process and the heat for a processor running all the time. Mm. Um, Didn't the yeah. Firefox OS from Mozilla, um, the Firefox mobile OS, already kind of do this? It was an HTML based operating system, HTML5, I think, based operating system, where basically you, when you looked at your phone, it was a web, web interface. Chromebook is, Chromebook is like that too, right? Yeah. I think so. I can't remember that. Um, but uh, again, a lot of these technologies are kind of too soon for, uh, like ahead of their time too. Yeah. Uh, we are kind of holding out for, I mean, we know the technology would work now, but you, it's going to be impractical if you're driving somewhere, going somewhere remote and trying to do some yeah. work. So again, in a 5G world where we connected at every inch of the planet, yeah, that becomes immediately more feasible, especially yeah. at the speed they're predicting. Yeah, we can see the trends re- re- rolling into into the space of, yeah, our, our devices are going to become smaller just because we, we can offset a lot of that power. Mm. Maybe we can make more space for battery power now. So now all of a sudden your device is just 100% battery with a screen attached to it. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be nice. <laughs> Maybe I'd go for that. So, sorry, I go for it. No, I was just going to uh, move on to our next uh, subject. If you want to finish that thought, no, I was going to be silly and say, uh, you know, we do need uh, to improve the battery technology um, vastly from where we are still. Yeah, nowhere near where it should be. Yeah, it's getting better though, slowly. It is. It is. So, Standard Bank announced this week that they are closing down 104 branches around the country. Uh, which is a significant number, um, and it's not the only one doing this. In fact, the only bank, the only major bank that's growing the number of branches is Capitec, um, and even they have uh, slowed down their rollout quite considerably. Um, but uh, F&B, uh, Nedbank, um, and Apps are all slowly cutting back on the number of branches, um, and there's been a bit of an outcry over this because 
some small dorps out in places like the Northern Cape, which uh, had a Standard Bank branch before, for example, um, before, prior to this announcement, will no longer have one. Um, and um, some people who live in these towns who happen to be Standard Bank customers might not, might not now have to travel 50 kilometers or more uh, to the next town to be able to, to go into a branch. Um, it's inevitable, though, isn't it, Rachad? I mean, as we move to digital channels, and the banks have been encouraging us to do this for years, um, we're going to see more branch branch closures. And in fact, Standard Bank, most of its branch closures are here happening here in Johannesburg uh, oh. in, and in the greater Gauteng region. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't mourn. I mean, sure, the job losses are unfortunate and, uh, um, you know, they come with this cost cutting, but I, I, I'd hate going into bank branches and I don't, don't, won't miss them if they all disappear, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there, there are way too many, and way too many of them, and costs within a mall must be pretty expensive, yeah. you know, for, for a bank branch. And some of those branches are pretty big. Yeah. Also, a lot of them are just showpieces, right? I mean, they're just trying to kind of show off their, their best, latest, new kind of yeah. banking technology. Yeah. So there is no need for it. But like you said, with the smaller towns, the problem is the people that need the branches who don't have access to the technology or don't have access to the technology. So those are the guys that need the branches, right? Yeah. Um, if they could offset that work onto the ATMs, which I know a lot of ATMs with some of the banks have become more advanced, so you can do a lot more with the ATM. You don't need to go into a branch and pull statements or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that could also work for those guys who, but again, they don't have the technology. And sometimes you just have to go into a branch. Occasionally you still have to go into a branch, yeah. Um, but I'm always amazed when I go to my local shopping mall where, they're f- where four of the banks are clustered together in this banking mall. And you go there on a Saturday morning and there are queues out the door um, with people doing physical branch banking. And I just wonder, why? Why are you doing this? Um, you, you're obviously paying a fortune for the transactions you're doing over the counter. Um, you, you could do it much cheaper at an ATM or on your phone in the smartphone app. So why queue? I, I, don't, I don't understand maybe it. The, maybe the queue is a, a kind of direct relation to the problems people are facing with the bank, especially maybe. if the admin stuff isn't working. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is a bit of a kind of a wild guess. Yeah. Because you should be able to sort, like you said, do at the ATM or over the phone. Mm. Um, but I know I've spoken to people that said, I, I, I couldn't do it. I just had to go into the bank to speak to somebody to yeah. sort this out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Actually, now that you mention it, it's only one bank that has the queue out the door, and that's F&B, um, which is one of the more aggressive ones in terms of digital channels, mm. um, which it just doesn't seem to stack up. You know, I would expect, APSA, for example, to have the long queue coming out the door, but they typically don't. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just a function of FMB's growth. Maybe they've got so many customers now that they, that's you know why they have so many people in their bank branch on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see also what kind of queries, what kind of queries they have. Um, yeah, but I think that I mean the ATM. You know, I've seen a lot of ATMs being upgraded to to kind of more functional ATMs. So I think that's kind of yeah. going to be the future. But it's it's uh, it's. Do you, is the customer going to see the savings that these banks have at the end of the day by not having mm-hmm. so many staff and branches? Are we going to have cheaper bank fees? Mm-hmm. No, probably not. Are we going to have you know better facilities, less fluff with our accounts, and just more good service? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Um, when is so Bank Zero launching? That still needs to launch, right? I mean, Bank Zero is coming later this year. Time Bank is launched. They don't have any branches. Um, they're working. Oh, they've got those um, terminals uh, in in pick and pay stores, pick and pay and boxer mm-hmm. stores. Um, and they don't need branches. I mean, 
You know, they've got these uh, kiosks with some assistance there sometimes to help no. you open an account and that sort of thing. And they've been doing very well. They've signed up a lot of customers already. Um, What's the churn like? Are those customers actually spending money on it? That will be know. the interesting part. I don't, I don't know. Are they second bank accounts? Yeah, who knows? Mm. Um, but it's an interesting time. I mean, here's a question for you, Rachard. When was the last time you went into a bank branch and why did you go into the bank branch? Hmm. Wasn't yeah, it's been a while. It's, <laughs> been, it's been a while. Okay, I do have access to a private banker, so I just mail somebody if I need something and they, yeah. they sort it out for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. Apart from the closest I get is is going to an ATM if I need cash. But even that is rare because you don't need to transact with cash anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying to think. I think the last time I went into a bank branch was a year ago because I was having a problem with uh, pay, paying a, a, a large amount of Forex. Um, so I went into the bank branch to try and resolve it, and the branch couldn't resolve it, and I ended up having a conversation with the head office um, on the telephone, and it was resolved on the telephone. So ultimately, I actually didn't need to go into the branch. Um, Interesting. And before that, um, I think I went into a branch to open a joint checking account with my wife um, after we got married, which was about three, three and a half years ago. Even that type of thing now gets you can mm. off a lot of places you can just send in a photograph, copy of the ID, and they can't do it. Yeah. If it be allows you just send a selfie or something. Yes. What was interesting, I remember the last time I went into a bank account was also probably about a year a bank was also a year ago. And when I went in, they actually put me into a room that connected me via like a tele link service, teleconference service to a banker sitting in an office cubicle somewhere. It was mm. quite interesting. Mm. Um, so I didn't speak to somebody in the branch. Mm. Maybe, you know, again, that would be a great service if I can do it from the comfort of my own home. Yeah. I guess security is always going to be a thing, but if I can log in securely into via an app or something, yeah, you know, maybe that's this. But again, the technology is limited to those people that can afford a smartphone. For sure. For sure. But it's interesting technology times, and I think more, more and more branches are going to close. There probably, probably will probably always be a need for a couple of branches, but… Um, Especially in the smaller, more rural areas. I mean, we know. Yeah, but that's where they're they're closing some of these branches. I mean, certainly a lot, most of them are in Gauteng, but um, they're also closing some of these smaller branches in these smaller towns. Like, I don't. Um, I'm not picking on Hope Town in particular, but that one that name seems to ring a bell in the Standard Bank uh, list. Um, Will we are. see rival banks coming up with uh, proper bank stores or smaller bank branches and take those customers? Mm, you know, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that takes care of our news this week, Rachard. Am I missing anything? Um, no, I think that's it. Apple, Huawei, and the Great Bank Branch Massacre. It sounds like the name of a movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to our regular features. Um, we don't have a winner this week, um, and our loser is Google, uh, which is now facing a U.S. Department of Justice antitrust investigation. It's still at its early stages, but we know these can be very disruptive for companies. And we saw the big DOJ investigation into Microsoft. I think it was back in the late 1990s. Um, and uh, Microsoft kind of lost its way after that. It, um, I think it really was a shock to their system. And uh, I'm sure the guys at Google are worried that um, so a similar investigation and probing by the Department of Justice is going to potentially throw them off track. It's done, done it before and it could do it again. So... Um, uh, there's a, in fact, a number of antitrust probes have been divvied up between the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. But the DOJ is going after Google, um, and they're also looking at Apple, Facebook, and Amazon. Um, it's an interesting time, given the U.S.-China trade war, to be uh, for the U.S. to be picking on its own technology leaders. 
um, you, you'd think that um, this would not be the optimal time to be doing it, but there you go. They are uh, they are invest- instigating these probes. But um, Google share price took a massive smack after the DOJ probe was announced. Uh, I think it was earlier this week. So it's not going to make them more friendly towards their own country, right? Yeah, yeah. More reason to resist. It seems like strange timing to me. And David Shapiro, the stockbroker, put out a tweet along these lines this week saying these companies are investing so much, I forget the figure, hundreds or tens of billions of dollars every year in research and development. Um, you know, they are plowing money into R&D. Um, now you're picking a fight with Huawei in China, uh, while at the same time you're going to uh, take on the companies that are investing so much in technology and, and development. Uh, it just seems a bit. Uh, the timing seems a bit odd. odd. Um, I thought. Um, I thought his tweet was quite uh, incisive. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a winner. But not, no one jumped out this week. Uh, Rehat, you're picking a hard drive this week, are you? Yeah. Well, actually, it's uh, one of these little things. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if it's focusing. Is that an SSD? Yeah, NVMe. It's a SSD NVMe drive M.2. Oh, and nice. This is a 512 gigabyte um, version, but isn't it incredible how far we've come? Yeah. I've got one in my PC. PC. Yeah, yeah. Now, for those of you that don't know what this type of hard drive is, it's essentially a hard drive that plugs in directly to a channel on your motherboard. So instead of going through a serial port, um, this thing just plugs directly into one of the channels. And so you normally connect it to performance. where would you normally connect an SSD to the PSI? PCI port or somewhere else in the, uh, in the uh, what, what PC no uh, what do I forget the name of that port now uh, serial ATA SATA port oh SATA okay because yeah, it's got that little plug you just put it in so okay. if you have an SSD um, obviously you can still do hard drives that's very popular for larger storage I mean this these these things are, are very expensive so if you're going to get a terabyte or four terabytes it's, that's why the yeah. MacBooks are so expensive because they use these type of yes, hard yeah. drives yeah um, but they are fantastic as your main boot drive. I've actually mm. got an XPGA older one, a 480 gigabyte in my machine. And in terms of power, it's, in terms of performance, it's fantastic. Is that an NVMe as well? No, that's it. Yeah, in M.2. M.2, yeah. M.2 NVMe. Yeah. yeah, I've got one in my in my main production PC, and it's unbelievable how quick it is and how fast Windows 10 boots from cold. Yeah, mm. It is crazy. Yeah, I, I don't actually have any moving apart from the fans. Anything else that's moving... Um, uh, drive wise, you know, right. all my drives are. I've got some external drives for backup, but everything's in the cloud, really. And uh, I just keep the most important stuff on on that drive. But at five yeah. twelve gigabytes, it's it's a nice size for a main boot drive. You can store most all your games in there, um, plus some 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 apps and movies and whatever. Uh, so you don't really need you don't actually need those four, five, six, ten terabytes unless you have big collections of stuff. Mm. I mean, I remember collecting. You used to save your games. Now you know if I'm not playing mm. it for a while, I uninstall it and install it again at a later point. Even mm. if it's just a 60 gig download, because I know they will inevitably be updated to that. Where back in the day, you kind of saved all of your your installation files, so you don't need that much storage space. Uh, but these and your save games, normal. your save games will be in the cloud when you when you reinstall. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the only things you really want to save now is photographs, right? Photographs, Word documents, important uh, anything else that's digitally mm. that's important to you. Um, but those are generally stored, you know, backed up, not in your main gaming rig. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in terms of performance, very impressed with XPG and what what it does. I mean, I can throw numbers at you, but it won't make a difference really. These things are very fast, and uh, copying between two drives. So if you've got two uh, NVMe drives, mm. copying between them is is also incredibly fast. So if mm. you do want to want to have the second one as a backup, so just under two grand, you can certainly get a lot more value if you're going for a four terabyte drive, for example. Yeah. Um, but this is not really aimed at that. This is for performance. So if you if you do have a SSD or even a, a older ARPA spindle based drive, 
pop one of these in. If your motherboard supports it, though, you need to have that. Uh, it usually sits between your your, your PCI Express cards. Yeah. Um, just slot one of these in, and you'll see a massive boost in performance. Mm. So, what make is that? What brand? XPG. XPG. Uh, okay. I'll show this. Here we go. And the prices have come down uh, quite beautifully as well. They're um, nowhere near. Yeah, I mean, five twelve gigabytes for just under, I think it's one nine. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's my pick. Cool. My pick this week is. Uh, I haven't played with it yet, but I was so impressed with the keynote that I thought I'd pick iPad OS. Um, <laughs> really looking forward to it. Um, I will probably be installing the uh, the uh, the public preview when it's released, the beta. Um, mm. I don't think I will be going for the developer version. Not 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 brave enough for that. But um, almost certainly, I'm looking forward, really looking forward to the software. And what I've seen in the keynote is enough to ready for me to uh, to recommend it and uh, look forward to the uh, full final commercial release. In uh, in September, the iPhone announcement. And what have I done with my show notes? They've disappeared. Uh, I know that they are. Um, I think that's it, Rechat. I think that's our show, yeah. uh, apart from our quiz results. Um, do you want to do the first one? Certainly. Apple this week debuted the new cheese grater Mac Pro. With starting, what is its starting price? And for a bonus point, how much is one of the new 6K monitors designed to go with the new Mac Pro cost? And the answer there obviously was at whopping six thousand dollars, five triple nine, with the monitor fetching four triple nine, and that's obviously without an optional thousand dollar stand. Yikes! How many <laughs> bank? How many bank branches is Standard Bank closing down? It said this week, and that's one hundred and four. Third question: On what basis is Google seeking an exemption from the U.S. government for dealing with Android? And the answer is: It's argued that the ban is a threat to the U.S. national security. And Google is making its biggest acquisition since 2014, buying which company for $2.6 billion? And that's a company called Looker Data Sciences. And the final question, Samsung has revealed it will use which company's graphics chips in its future smartphones? And the answer is AMD. And that's our show. Uh, we got off to a little bit of a rocky start on <laughs> Wirecast. Um, and I think at one point, Rechard, I forgot to add you back uh, when you disappeared for a bit. I think I forgot to add you back into the into the live stream. So there may be a, a minute or two uh, some, at some point in this podcast, if you're watching it after the fact, where um, I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> I think it's at the start of our great, Apple discussion. <laughs> but um, it's settling down. Uh, I like the software. We're going to be doing lots of stuff with us. Uh, so uh, if you do listen to the audio version of this podcast, do join us on YouTube at some point. Search Tech Central, one word, hit that subscribe button and uh, and join us on YouTube and join us in the chat room. And uh, maybe we'll be brave enough to put this all out over social media next week. Um, uh, I think we will. We'll, there's nothing like doing it live, Rechard, to learn quickly. Hey? Yes, especially when the link goes down halfway through and you don't know what to do. What the hell happened? <laughs> yes. We can't just pause and say, okay, let's just restart that segment. Yes. But I think it's a fantastic way of doing it because mm. the reality is surreal, the real part of it. And I think yeah. uh, I certainly enjoy seeing that in, in other kind of YouTube series that I watch or YouTube yeah. uh, creators programs that I watch. Yeah. Warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> what awards and all? Thank you. <clears throat> maybe, maybe a bit later. <laughs> Let's get the bugs out of the system first. Um, but I'm, I must say, I'm very impressed with Wirecast and uh, looking forward to to doing very, very cool stuff with this uh, down the line. So come along, join Rechard and me for the ride, um, and uh, let us know your thoughts. Um, 
I now think I need to go into uh, the YouTube back end and hit this big red button that says stop streaming. Uh, but before I do that, until next time, from Rehan and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.